Well, let's look at the fifth of the Beatitudes. Uh, the fifth of the Beatitudes today, we see in verse seven here, Jesus, this will be number one today, but really number five in our outline, okay? I'm gonna call it number five. Here Jesus uh, proclaims, he promises uh, a blessing for those who are what in verse seven? What's, what's the word there, church? Merciful. Uh, he's, he says, blessed are, are the merciful. Now, don't forget this morning that that means happy, right? That's a blessing. Uh, we understand that this is, this is the Lord promising to bless uh, his people with happiness, with joy. Uh, blessed are the merciful. Uh, so that, that's good. But there's a specific promise here also, isn't there? Zach, what does it say? Uh, for they shall what? Obtain what? Mercy. From who? From, who, from God, right? So uh, we understand, I can, Brother Art, I can look at this verse, and, and I, you know, I can understand that. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can understand that. God desires that we be merciful, uh, evidently, toward one another. And there's, there's blessings. Uh, we'll, there's a happiness that God will bless us with. And, and he, God promises a mercy from him uh, if, in fact, we will act mercifully toward uh, one another. Listen to a quote, please. I have a short quote I found. Uh, one man says this. He says, in this wicked world, and this, of course, is a wicked world, he says, mercy often is ignored or viewed as a sign of what? Weakness. That's how the world tends to view uh, mercy, being merciful toward uh, someone else. The world's not interested in being merciful. The world is what teaches us to attack and, and to be vengeful uh, in all of those things. But uh, I understand this morning from the word of God that God desires that we would be merciful toward uh, one another. By the way, does God make that possible? Does he make it possible to do what he calls us to do? Marilyn, I've, I've confessed many times that um, when, when someone wrongs me, my natural inclination is, I want to get them, <laughs> you know, right? I think, I think I might have confessed that last week, too, with the whole windshield wiper fluid thing. Wasn't that terrible? You haven't forgotten that, have you? You remember that forever now. Our natural inclination is to want, you know, if, if you do something to me, I'm going to do something to you, uh, and I'm going to do worse to you. That's our natural inclination. That's the old nature, right? We've got to be real careful not to feed that, but to yield to the Lord. Say, Lord, you help me uh, rather than to be vengeful, but to be merciful uh, in its place. The Lord desires that, that we yield to him uh, and, and, and find grace in him to put off vengefulness uh, and to put on mercifulness, mercy uh, in its place. I think we understand what the word means, uh, but let's give it a definition. Let's uh, give you a definition uh, for your notes, okay? What, what actually is mercy? What does it mean? Uh, you understand if, if someone's um, you know, coming after you, you might cry out for mercy. Uh, you're, you're, you're basically saying, uh, no, don't harm me. Don't, don't, don't do to me what I deserve. Uh, mercy literally involves compassionately withholding uh, some, some consequence uh, for an action that I am guilty of. Gary, it's, it's, it's compassionate. Uh, mer to act mercifully is to withhold a consequence from someone uh, who has wronged you. Is that a good definition? It's, it's not getting what you deserve when you've done wrong, right? Uh, Zach, what is grace? We, grace and mercy, we think of two sides of the same coin, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve, like forgiveness of sin, right? Uh, God is gracious toward us, and uh, that's, that's enabled in large part by the cross. Uh, mercy is not getting what we do deserve, right? I understand this morning that because of my sin, by the way, raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Anybody here ever? Yeah, we're guilty parties, right? Uh, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, what I deserve, of course, is spiritual death and punishment in a very real hell. Uh, that's what I deserve. And if God withholds that from me, he's being what? He's being merciful, right? He's being, if he withholds what I deserve, uh, he's, he's being merciful. If he gives me salvation, forgiveness that I don't deserve, he's being what? He's being gracious. We have a God who is both gracious and merciful. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> right? Let's take a moment just in your own heart. Praise God for that this morning. We have a God who's gracious. Uh, he, he offers us salvation that we do not deserve. And again, the Lord Jesus Christ made that possible upon the cross. 
Uh, and because of that, he exercises mercy toward us, uh, withholds the punishment that we do deserve. Grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin. Uh, and let's never, ever forget, please, both are made possible by the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon the cross. Amen. You say amen, you're Baptist, right? That's it, right? <laughs> amen. Uh, amen, Pastor. Uh, and so we understand this morning that, that the Lord is merciful. Uh, he is a merciful God. And you just kind of think back through, you know, we've been spending a lot of time on Wednesday nights uh, in the Old Testament. And you just kind of think back through some of the things that, that we've seen where, where God has shown himself to be merciful. By the way, if you didn't know a single thing about the Old Testament, maybe you don't. <laughs> if you've been here, you do. Um, if, if, but if you didn't know a single thing about God's mercy that he has shown throughout history and recorded in the Old Testament, could you say this morning he's been merciful to you? Church, he's been merciful to you? Absolutely. Amen. Praise God. Uh, he's been merciful. Lot understood. Uh, going back, if you want to turn there, you can. You don't need to. Uh, Genesis 19, Lot understood as he was uh, fleeing out of Sodom. Didn't Lot understand that God had been merciful to him? He, he understood that, right? He said, Behold now, thy servant has, he's speaking to the angel, Behold now, thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me uh, in what? In saving my life. By the way, did Lot deserve that? Did he deserve that? He absolutely didn't deserve that. He hadn't, been, he hadn't made the most righteous choices, right? Uh, he'd made some sinful choices. He'd pitch his tent toward Sodom, toward sin, and got drawn into the sin, and all the things that, that, that followed that. He didn't deserve uh, God's mercy, and, and yet God was merciful uh, to him. Praise God. It's a wonderful uh, example of God's mercy. You think about other examples of mercy throughout uh, the Old Testament. What happened when God, um, when God first gave Moses the Ten Commandments on, on those two tablets? Did, uh, are those the ones that end up, end up being kept and placed into the Holy of Holies? Or, or, they're not, are they? Uh, they're not. They, they got wrecked, and, and, and God said, Moses, you, you go back, and you hew out two new stones, and uh, in Exodus 34, you could just listen, but if, make a note, please. In Exodus 34, 5, the Bible says the Lord descended in the cloud. Imagine, imagine if you were Moses. <laughs> You're coming into the presence of God. He's descending in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Uh, the next two words are key, merciful and gracious. Uh, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness uh, and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. God proclaimed, Brother Art, his grace and his mercy to Moses uh, and his people, but he didn't just proclaim it. He, he's shown it, right? Uh, he's shown it to his people all throughout, uh, all throughout uh, history, uh, and until now, in, in our lives today, we praise God. Uh, numbers, uh, chapter 14 and verse 18, we recently studied all the way through Numbers uh, on Wednesday nights. The uh, Bible says there, the Lord, Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Has he been long-suffering with you? Has he been? Yeah, Lord. You know, <laughs> I think back, I've shared some of my testimony with the church, of course, over the years, but... You know, I, I, Janet, when I got saved, I, I was a young kid, and I, I just didn't do right for a long time. I wasn't in church for a long time. I didn't get biblically baptized for a long time. And yet, across all those years, God, God was merciful to me. He, he was merciful. He was patient. He, he was long-suffering uh, toward me. I think he knew, sister, that eventually I would say, okay, God, <laughs> just give my life to you, and you, you take me and use me. Do you think maybe he knew that? I think maybe he knew that. He is omniscient after all, amen? Uh, God is, he, he's a merciful God. He, he's, does that mean he'll never correct us when we do wrong? No, it doesn't mean that. that that's his love. He, he corrects us as a loving father, uh, will correct his children, and you know, sometimes that's very merciful. Uh, in the Psalms, uh, in, in Psalm uh, 85, in Psalm 85, make a note please. Uh, beginning in verse 8, the psalmist writes, I will hear what the Lord will speak. That's a good heart, a heart to hear what the Lord will speak. For he will speak un uh, peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly, 
folly. Surely his salvation is nigh uh, them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And then the psalmist says this, uh, mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Uh, in the Lord, you have uh, the meeting of mercy and truth and righteousness and peace. And of course, of course, these are attributes of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, are, they are truthful. Uh, and by the way, uh, Marilyn, I understand God, God's truth is, is actual truth, right? It's absolute. Uh, it's absolute truth, meaning that it applies to all people equally across all of time, no matter what, right? What do we look at on, on Wednesday night? The idea that uh, Saul tried to defend himself by saying, well, my situation made this sin okay. Uh, is sin sin no matter what? Church, is it sin no matter what? If God says something is sinful, if he said that in the past, he says sinful for all people uh, of all times, if, if God has defined something as sinful in the past, does it apply to me today? Yes, it does. Uh, does, it, does it apply to me tomorrow? Yes, it does. Is there any situation that, that makes sin excusable? Is there any, no, we saw that Wednesday night, right? Saul said, yeah, but you, Samuel, you don't understand. This was about to happen, and this was about to happen. I had to do this thing that uh, I knew God didn't, didn't want me to do, but I did it because I felt like I had to do it. Uh, that's still sin, right? That, that's still sin. And by the way, that truth that we saw in um, 1 Samuel 13 on Wednesday night, uh, it's against the backdrop of that kind of truth that you can really begin to understand and appreciate God's mercy and grace. Amen? You, you have to understand who God is and what he's like. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly holy. And he's unchanging, right? Uh, and he is grieved by our sin. That, that's the truth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's grieved by our sin. Church it says that, right? That's a pretty powerful incentive for me to yield to the Lord and no power to him to not sin. I understand these things. When I understand those truths, um, the fact that God withholds uh, what I deserve, I, I can understand that a whole lot better. Uh, we do well to really not gloss over or skip over any of God's attributes. He's holy. Uh, he's made uh, righteousness possible in our lives. He's grieved when we choose to sin against him, and there's no situation that excuses him. We may say, well, there's an explanation, God. Sure, there's an explanation, but explanations for sin do not excuse sin, right? Explanations for sin do not excuse sin. Um, Saul, Samuel made that clear to Saul. I understand you have an explanation, but it's sin, there's no excuse. Uh, when God withholds what we deserve, that's his mercy. And Marilyn, I dare say God is merciful toward us every single day. Every single day. Um, what makes that possible, by the way? What makes it possible for God to be merciful toward us, his people? What makes that possible? What has made that possible? My sin is covered by what? The blood of Jesus Christ, God the Son. It's covered. It's covered. I understand God, God's merciful. That's, his, that's one of his attributes. It's part of his character, but... Man, the thing that makes, Brother Art, the thing that makes it possible for God to not just crush me uh, in the face of my sin, to, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers my sin. Don't ever forget that, right? Some of our modern Bible versions kind of downplay the blood, take it out in places. That's a shame. That, that's a shame. I mean, that's, that's devilish. Um, the, the, it's the blood, <laughs> the blood of Christ, the blood of a perfect, sinless, spotless, uh, absolutely perfect Savior uh, that makes this possible. Man, I, I can just appreciate the, the, the mercy uh, of the Lord so much more uh, when I understand his, his perfect holiness uh, in his character. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good, uh, his mercy is everlasting, uh, and his truth endureth to all generations. Uh, his truth endureth to all generations, but thankfully his mercy is everlasting also. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy uh, toward me. Uh, so we see here in this verse, this verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, throughout Scripture, God has associated uh, our decision to, uh, to uh, be merciful toward others with blessings from God. We are the recipients of his mercy, 
Uh, and he's called us now to be merciful to others. So take mercy from God and show that uh, to other people. Um, Gary, I don't have that apart from God. I mean, I, I want to spray my windshield fluid on you and maybe worse, right? <laughs> I don't have that apart from God. But having been a recipient of the Lord's forgiveness and, and grace and mercy, I, I can forgive others. I could be gracious toward them, and I could be merciful toward them because the Holy Spirit makes that possible. I've experienced this. I understand the benefit of it. I understand from God's word here today and many other places that God now desires me to uh, act the same way that he has acted toward me, toward others, and that he'll make that possible. Uh, he, he, he is commanding this, but he'll also make it possible, uh, and he'll bless us. He'll bless us for that. Uh, in Proverbs 21, 21, the Bible says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. God desires to bless us when we choose to act mercifully toward others. God desires to bless us. Why does he do that? Why does he desire to bless us? What's, what's the reason? What's, what's the reason? Do we get anything from the, Sure we do, right? God, sure we do. Uh, the, are, you, are you happy this morning? Are you thankful for God's blessings? Do you have any uh, God's blessings in your life, church? Do you have any? I mean, listen, we, we, have, we have what we need, right? We praise God for that, uh, including a church. Praise God for that. We're not a perfect church, are we? Brother Art, are we a perfect church? No. <laughs> God's still perfecting us, right? We understand that. We're not perfect. Are we trying to be biblical? Are we? I hope so. Yeah, amen. That's our desire. Lord, here we are. Take us, use us, grow us, teach us as we just keep our, our, our hearts and minds focused upon you and, and your words. And boy, that, that's our desire. Uh, God desires to, to bless us because he loves us for sure. Uh, and it's a way that he, remember, love is a, it's an action thing, right? It's, it's not just a ooh, ooh, ah, ah. The ooh, ah, ah can be nice, right? I just love you. Let me look at my wife. I just love you. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah. But real biblical love is a doing thing, right? It's, it's action motivated by a choice to demonstrate love. And um, one of the ways God has demonstrated his love to us, of course, is the cross. But blessings uh, are a demonstration of his love that he pours out in response to our, our obedience to him. He blesses us. And that, that, you know, we're recipients of his love. That's a good thing. Amen. Anybody here not loved? Anybody here not loved? I'm looking around. Sister, are you unloved? Your husband's right next to you, so no, you're not. And even if he wasn't, you're loved by God himself, right? And you, you know, you know that. You, you know it from his word. You know, you know it from his uh, working in, in your life and uh, from his blessings. Uh, of course, we'll not forget this morning also that uh, God pours blessings into our life for our benefit, yes, recipients of his love, but also, as we say, so for his glory, right? Uh, people see God's blessings uh, in our lives. They, they see something that's good and desirable, and every once in a while, they'll ask you about that. Tell me about that. How's, that. how's that possible? And you can say, well, I'll tell you about it. It begins with the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you're willing to hear, I'm willing to, to tell you. Amen? Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, in Psalm 25, 10, the Bible says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, Unto such as keep his covenant and testimonies. He desires uh, to, bless, uh, to bless his people. I praise God this morning for that. Um, we don't have time to look at everything that we could uh, look at that, uh, this morning. I'll just give you some references. You write these down quickly. In Matthew 23, Matthew 23, 23, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees. And you remember the Pharisees. They were a particular sect of uh, first century Judaism that was really focused on the law, right? And every, uh, every dotting every I and crossing every T in the law and really making their, their faith about uh, keeping the law uh, more, more than really grace and, and faith, but really, really about the sort of legalistic idea that keeping the law would 
uh, make them right with God. By the way, if they had kept the law perfectly from birth to death, would they have been right with the Lord? Yeah, if they could do that, but they couldn't do that, right? They couldn't and we can't. That's, that's the whole point. Jesus, uh, in Matthew 23, 23, he's uh, confronting them and well, let me just read the verse. Woe unto you, I said I didn't have time to read it all. <laughs> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, uh, he says, you know, you're, you're, you're faithful to keep the law. You tithe uh, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. He says, you've been very faithful to keep aspects of the law, but you've been unfaithful to keep certain things that, frankly, are even more important. He goes on here, and, and, and one of the things that he says is, frankly, more important is our M word, mercy. He says, judgment and mercy and faith. Uh, these ought ye to have done. Yeah, sure enough, you should tithe. And that's Jesus speaking in the first century. Sure enough, we should too. But we ought not leave out judgment and mercy and faith. Uh, he says you ought to have done, the, uh, not to leave those out undone. So, yeah, the Lord, the Lord cares. The Lord cares about this. In Matthew 28, 21, you have the parable of the unmerciful servant. Remember, remember that situation, right? Uh, there was a master who had a servant who owed him some money, but he forgave him, right? He said, he said, hey, I don't have the money, and so the master forgave him. But then that same servant went out and tried to extract money from people that owed him, uh, and he wasn't merciful, and he suffered consequences because of that. And, of course, the master who's pictured in that parable is the Lord. He's ultimately the one who's, who's pictured there. He's merciful toward us. And he's expecting us to demonstrate the same mercy to others. And uh, when we don't do that, when we don't do that, he'll withhold some of the blessing that would have been uh, on the table for us had we obeyed him in that area. And he might actually, might actually correct us, might actually correct us. I want you to stop and think for a minute. Stop, stop and think for a minute. Um, what are some situations where... Um, you know what, I believe God would have me to be merciful towards someone rather than, rather than, oh, they did something to me, I'm going to do something to, to them. Can, can you stop and think about something? You know, I could give you lots and lots of examples, but um, can, can you think of something? Can, do you have something where, you know what, some, think about some, sometime recently when someone may have done something wrong to you. Anybody had anyone do anything wrong to them in recent memory? You probably have. Someone wronged you somehow, some way. They did something. They said something. Maybe they didn't do something or say that they sh should have done. Uh, maybe it was something at work. Maybe it was a neighbor. I don't know. Maybe it was somebody at church. We're not perfect, right? Amen? Not excusing that, but that's the truth. Um, can, you, can you think of something? I don't want you to focus on it, but... Can you think about how you reacted to that? Were you merciful? <laughs> was that a challenge? Was, was that a trial? Did you, if someone said something to you, did you say something twice as bad back to them? Or did you want to do something? Well, maybe you wanted to, but did you? Were you, were you did you choose to be merciful? Did you choose that? God desires that. He, he commands that, and he makes that possible. Um, what, is it, what does it really take to be merciful to someone, to, to not respond to someone uh, according to what they really deserve because of their behavior requires you to what? What does that require? What does that require? What would be an aid to that decision? What would be an aid to our obedience in this area? Uh, can you think of something? How about forgiveness? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Is that hard? Is it hard to forgive people sometimes? Is it? It is, isn't it? Everyone, somebody's like, yeah. <laughs> it can be really hard, right? Uh, have we been forgiven, church? Amen. We, we have, do we deserve it? Nuh-uh. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, it's grace. It's, it's God's grace. Uh, and, and now God has called us as the recipients of forgiveness, undeserved favor of God to take that grace that we know from the Lord and employ it practically 
uh, to forgive people who do not deserve to be forgiven so that we can act mercifully towards someone. You know, I think you could choose to act mercifully without forgiving someone. You could make a case that biblically you don't have to forgive someone unless they seek that. And, and I understand that. I think that's technically, literally true. But isn't it more helpful? Isn't it more helpful to, to treat someone better than they deserve, to be merciful, if you could choose first to be gracious and forgive someone? Isn't it? I think it is. If you've truly forgiven someone, are you still out to get them? Gary, I'm not going to forgive you. Man, I'm going to get you. But that doesn't make sense, right? If, if I've forgiven you, if you've wronged me, can you imagine that Gary wronging me? Uh, <laughs> uh, if I've truly forgiven you, it doesn't make any sense that I'd still want to get you, right? Um, the Lord doesn't want to get anyone, but his justice demands eternal punishment in hell for those that refuse the forgiveness that's available to us in Christ. Um, if the Lord has forgiven us, does hell make sense anymore? Does it make sense? No, there's, we're forgiven. Our, our sins are covered. We're forgiven. Uh, God's been gracious, and that's enabled mercy, uh, and mercy is withholding the punishment that is otherwise due. Uh, so there, hell doesn't make sense for the believer, and the same, the same principles apply to our interactions with each other. You can forgive someone. If you could forgive someone, hey, I, I'm a recipient of undeserved forgiveness, and I understand that God would desire me to, to forgive brothers and sisters and, and others. Uh, they don't always deserve it, but I, I can forgive them. That'll be a help to me. And if I'll do that, that'll make it easier for me to uh, react mercifully, withholding the, I'm going to get you when they've done me wrong. And I can know God's blessings for that. Is that what the verse says? Is that what it says? I, I can know God's mercy. Um, how can I know God's, how can I know, let me say it differently, how can I be merciful? How can I forgive? Is it natural and easy to forgive and then to walk in mercy toward each other? Is that natural and easy? Or at times, is it pretty tough? Pretty tough at times, right? And so sometimes you just have to, you have to pray, right? God, help me. God, help me. Uh, God, help me to forgive. God, give me grace to forgive. Uh, Lord, as, as recipient of your grace and your forgiveness, I, I know I have what, everything I need from you in me, but God, I look to you for that. Help me to forgive. Uh, and God, as I forgive, would you please help me to be merciful? Uh, was David merciful to Saul? He was. We're going to see that as we get further ahead on Wednesday nights in, in 1 Samuel. We get up to 1 Samuel 24. David had an opportunity to really do Saul wrong, and uh, he, he chose to be merciful, to withhold that which, quite frankly, Saul, who attempted to kill David many times, it, David chose to, to withhold the, what, what Saul deserved and, and to be merciful. And that God made that possible uh, in David's heart, in, in his life, in that context. And and God is still in the business of making it possible for us to forgive uh, and to walk in mercy. God makes that possible. Listen, this morning, if you would say, I don't know, uh, but, but perhaps the Holy Spirit's convicting you. You know what? I'm just not merciful the way I know God desires or, or I really struggle in this area. Or I, I know there was a situation in recent memory where, you know, I would have done well to forgive uh, and, and to act mercifully, but, but I didn't. I, I held on to that grudge and I treated that person uh, just exactly as they deserved rather than being gracious and, and merciful. You know, what should, is that sin? Is it sin? Is it? Sin. But you don't know what they did. Does it matter? Does it matter? Did Saul's situation justify his sin on Wednesday night? Not literally, but on Wednesday night in 1 Samuel 3. Did, it, did the situation justify? No. No, God didn't let him off the hook because the situation was hard. It's still sin and still consequences. Lord, help us. We confess the sin of not being forgiving and merciful. How many times does the Bible say, does the Lord, the Lord teach his disciples to forgive? 70 times 7, which means what? That's a, that's a biblical idiom, right? What does it mean? Forever. All the, as many times as you need to. 
that might be really hard. If you had to forgive, if you ever had to forgive someone one time, two times, three times, 19 times, 47 times, 1,001 times, my wife is saying, yes, I'm married to you. <laughs> yeah. 70 times, seven times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you? Can we? Yeah, we can. Um, sometimes you just have to stop and take a deep breath and pray a real prayer, sincere prayer, Lord, help me. And does he? Absolutely does. Sometimes you have to confess, Lord, I've not been merciful. I've not been forgiving, and therefore I've not been merciful. Lord, I confess that it's sin. I agree with you. It's sin. And so, God, I will, I will ask your help to put that off and to put on forgiveness uh, and, and mercy in place of that. And, Lord, just trust you for grace from you, strength from you, to forgive and be merciful. Um, can you do that? Can you? Church? And, and if you do, what could you realistically, biblically expect from the Lord? What could you expect? The blessing of happiness and, and mercy uh, from God. That's what the Bible says. Understand, this is literally for the, the millennium, but, uh, you know, I, I believe that God intends to honor this, this scripture today as well. And um, if not, certainly in eternity. Uh, praise him for that. I want you to see here just the next verse. We can at least introduce this. Look, look here in verse 8. Uh, this is the fifth of the Beatitudes, uh, the second this morning. But let's at least uh, begin to look at this here this morning. Jesus proclaims a blessing uh, in verse 8 for those who are what? Pure in heart. Uh, pure in heart. And there's, there's promise here of what? For they shall what? They shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, uh, for they shall see God. What does it mean uh, to be pure in heart? What, what does that mean? Uh, it refers, get this down, please, in your notes. And like I said, we may not get through this all the way, but let's at least start looking at this. Uh, it refers to a true internal holiness. Uh, it is a true heart holiness. Uh, to be pure in heart is to be uh, internally Holy, not, not like the, the Pharisees who were whited sepulchers, you know, icky on the inside, but, but painted up nice to look, you know, holy on the outside, a false holiness. It's, uh, the Lord here is referring to a true uh, internal heart purity, a heart uh, holiness. Uh, he promises here a blessing uh, for this. Now, the blessing is they, they shall see God. <laughs> Now, I understand, Gary, the, the Bible doesn't say, it doesn't permit the idea that I could just be holy, I can act holy, and by acting holy, I can earn my salvation and then see God. The Bible doesn't permit that, right? So uh, this, this holiness here must be um, first, it must be first the holiness that is imparted to us, paid onto our account at the point of salvation, right? Uh, we've covered that already this morning, and you know this church already. Uh, when, I, when I put my faith in Christ, his holiness is paid onto my account. I'm justified. Uh, my account is paid uh, in full. Uh, the Lord sees me as holy because of that. My, my sins uh, are covered. But then uh, beyond that, again, he desires there be a practical holiness uh, in my life. And, and part of that, well, let me say that differently, and that begins where? Uh, yes, with yieldedness to the Spirit of God, but there has to be a, a heart interest in that, right? Um, you have to have a heart interest in that. There has to be a desire that your heart be right with God. Uh, and if, if that's not really the case, there's not a genuine outward outworking of that holiness, right? Are there some people that are pretending? Yeah, there's lots of people. There's lots of people are pretending. Um, are they normally found out sooner or later? Yeah. Normally. I mean, you, that's what we see, right? Fakers, they're normally, they're normally found out because what they have is not real. You could fake for a long time. You could be a really good actor uh, for a long time. You could pretend to be saved and uh, walking with the Lord and, 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 and keep that up for a good long time. 
uh, eventually you're going to be found out, if not by another person, by whom? By God. Because he knows the heart. God, Lord looks upon the heart, right? He knows. And what about someone who's truly saved, though? Uh, they're, they're, they're forgiven. They're indwelt by the Spirit of God. They've been changed. They have a new nature. Uh, the moment that they came to the Lord, they've been given a new heart, a, a new life. All things have been made new. Um, there, there's there's a, a new heart. Uh, and so there's the possibility of a genuine change of heart and, and walking in uh, a true holiness. Uh, couple of definitions. What, is it, what does it mean for a Christian to be pure in heart? One man says, these are they who are not merely externally moral, but whose motives and thoughts are pure. Amen. Uh, amen. L Lord, examine my heart. You ever pray that? God, examine my heart. Lord, show me if my, if my motives, <laughs> if, my, if my desires pridefully uh, accruing attention to myself rather than pointing others to you. God, show me that. Show, show me my heart. Reveal my heart to me. Reveal my motives. And if they're not pure, if they're not really practically pure, God, give me a heart to uh, confess that. Another man says to be pure in heart is uh, those whose minds and motives and principles are pure. Uh, these are they who seek not only to have external actions being correct, but who desire to be holy in heart uh, and who are so. He says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the what? Yeah. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to have hearts that are right with you, that are pure. I understand that... Um, Is there some ick in your heart still, church? Is there some ick there? You, be, you become aware of it, right? When your heart, your heart leads you into things that you just wish it wouldn't, right? Do you know what I mean? Is your, is, does your heart sometimes lead you to things, to thoughts and actions that um, you just get convicted about? Amen? Yeah? Right? What does the world say about your heart? What does the world say? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Right? Probably you could think back to maybe in the past you've given that advice to someone. They come to you, they want to know, hey, what should I do? Just follow your heart. What does the Bible say about your heart? It's desperately wicked. That's what the Bible says about our hearts. They're desperately wicked. And they are. I mean, you know. God's calling us to have to walk with pure hearts because the reality is that. There's a desperate wickedness there. Uh, and if we're not careful to ask the Lord to expose that, to help us deal with that, uh, our hearts carry us from you know, wicked, internal wickedness to walking in great, desperate, external wickedness if, if we're not careful. The Lord commands us to purify our hearts. Get down a couple references, please. James 4 and verse 8. The Bible says uh, here, God says here, draw nigh to God, draw near to him. Uh, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and what? Purify, purify, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. give you one more verse, please. 2 Corinthians 7 and, and verse 1. The Bible says, this is Paul, of course, writing under inspiration to the Corinthian church. He says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Lord, help us to understand um, our hearts. Help us, Lord, to seek your help to reveal the ick in our hearts and, and Lord, to deal with it. Uh, Lord, to deal with it. Um, would you turn to Psalm 51? And I want to look at this quickly, and we'll stop here today. Turn back to Psalm 51, please. Marilyn, are we going to preach a whole new sermon now? No, not really. Not really. Well, just look here, please, and quickly, we'll stop here. Um, how can I exercise purity in heart? God commands it. He desires to bless it. Psalm 51 title says, 
the chief musician, a psalm of David, who Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. What did he do with Bathsheba? Sin. Okay, sin. He sinned with her. Keep it clean. <laughs> he sinned with her. Um, how, can I, how can I exercise purity in heart? Well, I understand I need to be saved to have a really genuinely pure heart before the Lord. It's God will accomplish that. Um, but salvation, genuine biblical salvation is, is the prerequisite. Won't you see here, though, um, secondly, um, as uh, David, David prayed, he prayed and he asked God. He prayed and he asked God. Would you look here at verse 1? First, David prayed for mercy. Don't miss that there's various places in Scripture where mercy, the mercy of God and a pure heart are combined together. They're associated together biblically in a number of places in Scripture. God will mercifully work in our hearts to purify our hearts, but we need to do our part in, in this. Verse 1, you see here, David prays for mercy. Verse 1, have mercy. He prays. He prays. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy what? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. According unto the multitude of thy tender, what? Mercies. Thank you, Lord. Blot out my transgressions. Uh, he, he prays. Uh, he prays. You, you see that. Uh, Lord, blot out my transgressions. He says, verse 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. For I, verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgressions. Against thee, only thee, have I sinned. He's, he's confessing and he's, he's dealing with God and allowing God uh, to deal with him. He, he prays for God's mercy and then he confesses his sin. Verse 8, he says, purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. He says in verse 8, now, now he asks for God to bless him. So he asked for God's mercy. God be better to me than I deserve. And he confesses sin. And then he asked for God to bless him. In verse 8, he says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. He had sinned a great sin with Bathsheba. Nathan confronted him. And he, praise God, he responds with asking for God to be merciful, and he confesses the sin, and then he asks God to bless him. God, give me joy, bless me, bless, uh, bless me. And then he says in verse 10, this is really what I want you to see this morning, and we're done. He asks God for a blessing after he's asked God to be merciful, uh, and, and he's confessed the sin, uh, he says in verse 10, create in me a what? Clean heart. It's a prayer. It's a prayer based on his understanding. God will be merciful. If he'll confess his sin, he could then ask God for this. Create in me a clean heart. Who's he asking? Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. You know, if, there, if, if God convicts you, there's just ick. There, your heart is full of ick. Technical theological term, Brother Art. When you confess that ick, <laughs> go to God knowing he's a merciful God. My ick is covered by the blood of Christ, thankfully. Uh, I can go to God and confess the sin that he is the sin that he is convicting me about. And then I can say, Lord, having done that, would you please create in me a clean heart? Would you, would you clean up my heart, God? God, would you clean up my heart? Would you create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me? It's too good not to read a couple more verses. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, I love this verse and I trust you do too. Restore unto me the what? The joy. Uh, of thy salvation. Why is it God's salvation? Because he's the one that made it possible, right? He says, restore to thee the joy of thy, Lord, the salvation that you made possible uh, for me. How is David saved? By faith in the Savior who was to come, just like we're saved by faith the Savior who has come. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free 
the Spirit. They would pronounce it. He would go on and teach others to do the same. And, of course, that's what we should do as well. Uh, listen, God desires to bless uh, pure hearts. If you're, the minute we get convicted, there's some ick down in my heart. What do I do? I trust God to be merciful toward me. He will be because he's not changed. The blood of Christ makes that possible, certainly. Uh, but I need to get into the business of confessing, simply agreeing with God that, yep, that, that ick in my heart is real. The Holy Spirit's convicting me of it. I could resist. I could deny. But God is God, and he knows the truth of the matter. I could just simply yield to him and say, sure enough, God, there's sin down in there. My heart has sinful motives, sinful desires. Lord, I confess that to you, and I ask you to clean up my heart. Can you clean up your own heart? Can you do that? I don't think I can, Gary. I mean, I could try. I could try to think right and do right and, and perfect my motives and intentions my, myself. But you know what I've learned over the years? Uh, I really can't do that the way God can. Amen? I can't do that the way God can. What I can do is agree and confess the sin that he's convicting me of. And ask him to clean up my heart. Could you do that this morning? Yeah, we can. Let's do that. Let's stop there and bow our heads, please. Father, thank you this morning for your words. Lord, I thank you this morning for the truth of your words. Thank you for giving them and preserving them. Thank you for this excellent translation that we have, Father, of all of your words. Lord, I thank you this morning for the reminder that you desire to bless the obedience that you enable, that you make possible. Lord, I understand this morning that you're a merciful God. You've called us to be merciful, and you make that possible. God, when we struggle with that, help us to be people of prayer. Help us to yield to you with the desire to obey you, not to be vengeful, but to be forgiving and to be merciful and to seek you and your grace to do that for your honor and your glory. Lord, when we're convicted that we're not walking that way, when we're convicted that there's a, a different desire in our hearts, different motives, a pridefulness, whatever it is, Father, Lord, I pray this morning that you give us hearts to quickly agree with you, to confess, to agree. Uh, Lord, to confess whatever it is, wrong motives, thoughts, intentions, habits, sin. Lord, give us hearts to quickly agree with you and to confess that. Trusting that you're a merciful God whose mercy is consistent with our forgiveness in Christ. Lord, I pray as we confess that we then ask you to restore the joy of our salvation, to uh, replace the conviction with, with joy from you. And Lord, yes, to pray that you would bless us, bless us with clean hearts. Lord, I understand this morning. I, I I need to do my part. I need to confess and, and be right with you. But I am absolutely dependent upon you to clean up my heart, to change my desires, my motives, to crowd out the pride and replace it with the humility and a, and a desire to worship you and honor you and glorify you rather than myself with my life. Lord, I understand this morning only you can change my heart. And so I pray that this morning for myself. I pray that this morning for my brothers and sisters in Christ here in, in our church. Lord, give us hearts to confess sin, motives that are wrong, desires that are wrong, habits that are wrong. And Lord, as we do, I pray that you would work in our hearts to give us clean hearts and to restore the joy of our salvation. I don't know this morning, church, how you need to pray. Um, I just ask you to yield to the Lord and, and take a moment and pray, do business with him, and, and then we'll close. Lord, I thank you this morning for your words. I thank you for your power, your grace in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you can work in hearts and clean up our minds, our hearts, our lives like we cannot do ourselves. We cannot accomplish that. 
apart from, from you working in our lives. Lord, I thank you this morning that when we yield to you and confess sin, and uh, you do bless. There's a happiness and a joy that you desire to supernaturally pour uh, into our lives. Father, of course, we need that. Uh, we need that, Lord. And uh, Lord, I desire that for your honor and for your glory. I pray, Lord, that we never, never lose sight of the fact that there is joy that is a fruit of the Spirit that's available to us as we yield to you. And so, Lord, I pray you help us to do that. Father, thank you again this morning for um, bringing each of us uh, out to church in obedience to you. I thank you for those who uh, are still home today for different reasons. We think of Ellen recovering from surgery. Lord, have your hand upon her. Please heal her. Uh, I pray for the Fords this morning, Lord, that they understand they're not forgotten, and we do pray for them and others, Father. We just lift each one up to you, and Lord, I ask you to keep us strong in our walk with you, trusting you, obeying you, knowing your blessings for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. It's good to see you. Ben, it's good to see you. Good morning, my brother. <laughs> it's good to see Ben, right, church? Hello, Ben. <laughs> uh, Lord willing, tonight at 6, I don't think the snow is going to start until much later, so we'll be online tonight. Uh, some of us will be here uh, to, to live stream the sermon tonight. It'll be Sunday night in the Psalms, Lord willing. So uh, please, if you're able to, join us online tonight at 6. Lord willing, we'll be back here uh, Wednesday night at 7, back in 1 Samuel. So I uh, encourage you to be here if you can be. Uh, hopefully by then the snow will have stopped and it'll be plowed and, and all of that. So just pray that goes smoothly. Uh, please do be careful uh, tonight and tomorrow, okay? Please pray for each other's safety. Zach, you come lead us in a closing song, please. All right, if you would stand with me as we turn to our last song for today. It's hymn number 522, Anywhere with Jesus, standing as we We'll sing the first and the last verse. <clears throat> Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere he leads me in the world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus, I can go to sleep. When the darkening shadows round about me creep. Knowing I shall wake and nevermore to roam. Anywhere with Jesus I'll be home, sweet home. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the safety that there is in Jesus. We thank you for uh, the word that we heard today. I pray you would help us to apply it. And may we please you with it in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.